0: Let me say in the outset of uh, my preaching before I begin, I just want to thank so many of you who support us monthly uh, and who've done that for many years. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I mean, many of, much of what is done is because you guys have supported us all these years. And uh, I would want to just clap for you and just say thank you very much for your love and your faithful support to us. Thank you for giving your children over to us, and I know that that is not any small sacrifice, one that probably is continuously painful, but uh, we praise the Lord. I was thinking of a verse, I was actually up there looking at a verse, Philippians 2, when I think of Damon and Jen, uh, Philippians 2, 29, uh, says, says the, verse 29 says, receive him then in the Lord with... All joy and hold men and women in this situation, a woman in this situation like him in high regard. I know Damon and Jen have come from your church body. uh, And so you see them kind of like uh, family. But let me just say hold men like Damon and Jen in high regard. They are heroes of the faith. They are champions. And uh, I am so honored to serve with them. We would not feel the strength that we feel without that family. And I would like it if you would just take a moment to just appreciate Damon and let, and let it be felt all the way to his wife as you do it. Can we do that? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, just like up here on the question and answer time, uh, it's the loud guy that gets all the attention, but it's, it's the quiet guy that gets all the work done, you know what I mean? So uh, Damon is, uh, is such a rich joy to me, and he, he is a man worthy of double honor. And, uh, and so please make sure every time they come back, you honor them and esteem them. Because they're people worthy of being esteemed. To open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Many of us have heroes in the faith. Many of us, one of those heroes would be the great Apostle Paul. The reason we would have that be is because there is no man that has made a greater impact on the world for Christ and for the gospel and for the church than the Apostle Paul. And there has never been a man that has been more determined for the gospel than the Apostle Paul. Nor has there ever been a man that has suffered probably more for the gospel than the Apostle Paul you know anyone that has been beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times receiving 39 lashes, three times being beaten with rods, being stoned by rocks, night and day in the middle of the ocean, frequently on journeys, in danger of rivers and robbers and countrymen, in dangers of city, in the city and in the wilderness, on the sea and among false brethren... Not to mention all the days in which he he had sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, cold and exposure. Someone who has traveled thousands upon thousands of miles by, by meager means. This was the Apostle Paul. We admire him, but none of us would want to... Live the way he lived. Many of us would actually be told by others that he's living way too radical. That he's not being sensical. But this is the great Apostle Paul. He is the one who took a small sect of racists and turned, them, turned it into a, a worldwide faith that is open to all including us. He had written 13 of the 27 books. The Apostle Paul is the greatest man to ever live outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself also obviously leading the similar type of life. On a human level, we can ask ourselves what made him so successful. That's what I want to answer tonight. I want to get a little personal. You know, we all have our space and you're okay if I'm there, but once I come right here, you feel just a little uncomfortable. Well, I want to come up and get in your space a little this evening, not for the purposes of bringing condemnation, but for the purposes of really getting you to evaluate your heart, really getting you to evaluate your lifestyle Because the goal would be if we really are serious and we really believe in this book, we need to live and think a whole lot more like the Apostle Paul. And unfortunately, today our role models are not like this. And so I want to take us into his mindset so that we can make choices in our lives. That will have gospel impact. We want to make a difference. I know it. But listen. Wanting to make a difference. And making a difference. Are two different things. And We, can't, we must go beyond wanting to make a difference. And as my brother Eric had said earlier. The problem really is. We don't want to share our faith. So I want us to get into our hearts, get into our lives, because listen, our goal is not to just have a pep rally and go home and live the same way. Our goal is that we would be different, that we would be missionaries. It's not enough that we have people like Damon and Jen surrender their lives on the foreign mission field while we coast here in America. That's not the goal. The goal is that we all live radical for Jesus Jesus because he's worthy of it, right? So with that, I want to look at the choices that Paul made. What made him so effective? I want to get into his mind. and I want you to get into his mind with me. This passage before us reveals his mind. In this passage, there's false teachers and and he, he basically comes and compares himself and says, listen, that's who they are, but this is who I am. And in this passage, in a powerful way, he gives us insight into his mind. And I want to call us all to look into his mind and take his mind and compare it up to us. And evaluate in us In practical ways, how we need to change. So what I want to provide for you is five choices the Apostle Paul made. Five choices the Apostle Paul made. Let me read the passage before us. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. It says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things that they they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an unperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, but I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I want to pray and I want to look at this glorious passage with you. Father God, I come to you because I want I want to be so filled with your spirit that it just it, it, it oozes out of me through the words deep into their hearts that they would see your text, they would see your servant Paul, and we would all be sharpened in our service to you. You are worthy of of, of our lives and we lay our lives down and we, and we say it as, as disciples and Christians, we have confessed that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price, but Lord, we need to sharpen and cut off the fat of our lives, that we might be and have an impact in the proclamation of your glorious name. We want you to be made known. We want you to be great and living God. This is about your name, and so I ask that you would aid us be recommitted in our devotion to make you great. We ask this for the praise and glory of your name we pray. Amen. Amen? First choice the Apostle Paul made so that he can have the impact he did, he made a choice to do all things for the sake of of the gospel. I should have started reading earlier but look with me in verse 23 he says, I do what? come on now, I do what? all things for the sake of so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. This doesn't need much exposition, neither do any of these points because they're just laid out there This one may need a little bit of understanding of the context, but let me help you understand what's going. What does he mean, I I do all things for the sake of the gospel? What does he mean? Well, we learn from the context, Paul's mentality is that I am not my own. Look with me in chapter 6, verse 20. He says this. For you have been bought with a price, therefore what? Glorify God with your body. He had a mentality that I'm not my own, I've been bought and therefore I must do what? Glorify God with my body. He recognized that this body was not for his own purposes. It wasn't just for the frills and thrills of this world Rather it was for the purposes of the exaltation of Christ. That was embedded in his body. And that's why he would say in chapter 1031 that whether I eat or drink I do what? All things for the sake of the glory of God. In addition we learn from the context that Paul had many freedoms. Freedoms. Now this is a fascinating thing when we look at the freedoms of Christ and as it relates to these passages. Because many people want to use this passage to say, look, I have freedom, so therefore let me go drink and let me go live live out my liberties. And they completely miss the point of the whole entire text. Because the point is just the opposite. When you look at the context, according to chapter 8, he had the freedom to eat as different foods. According to chapter 9, verses 7-12, through 12, he had the, the, the ability or the freedom to receive money for his service. According to chapter 9, verse 5, he had the freedom to get married. According to 9-6, he had the freedom to not work. And what he does is he comes here and and he explains that though I have these freedoms, I give up all of these freedoms, all of these privileges of marriage, food, drink, money, relaxation. Things of which most of us live for. I have this freedom, but I will give it up. For the sake of the gospel. When he says, I give up all things for the sake of gospel. He's saying, I'm going to give up all these freedoms. I'm going to give them all up. Look with me in verse 12 of chapter 9. He says this. If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. But we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Meaning the false teachers, they were exercising their freedoms. He gave them up for the gospel. Look at verses 18 and 19, he says this, What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. Why? So that I may win more. Verse 22, it says, I, to the weak, I become weak, so that I may win the weak. I become all things to all men, so that I may, by all means, save some. Oh dear friends, if we are going to understand the Apostle Paul, you need to understand that his whole life was gospel-centered. His whole life was driven for the proclamation of the gospel. He was gospel-driven, gospel-saturated, gospel-centered in every part of his life. And he just aligned everything. He would keep cutting off the freedoms, cutting them off that he could run faster and, and make more of an impact. Because why? He was consumed for souls. He lived for souls. He didn't live for himself. He died to self and he lived for souls. And that's what drove his life. Oh, I can have this, I can have that. But listen, I need souls. Paul, the Apostle Paul knew nothing of this Calvinistic perspective. of uh, Because everybody's uh, elect, I'm going to sit around. He didn't know any of that. He wanted to win more that I might win souls, and I need to go out and I need to work hard and I need to fight. That was his mentality. Let me get rid of the extra. Whatever is going to hinder the proclamation, let me get rid of it. It wasn't let me exercise my freedoms. It was let me get rid of my freedoms. These Christians that want to hang around and and have their drinking parties, you don't get the passage. The passage says let's get rid of the drinking that we might what? Exalt Christ. That's what this passage drives. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compu- compu- uh, 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 c- uh, compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Well, friends, he was driven for souls. And so, therefore, he aligned everything in his life that was hindering him from that proclamation. Everything he did was for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. Listen, this is, we're not asking you to do anything out of legalism here. Because that, you do it out of legalism, then all you're going to do is start, start parading it around and telling everybody how great you are. But what I am doing is I'm asking about your relationship with Jesus Christ and how much does he mean to you? How much do you love him? How much will you give up for the sake of souls? How much do you love your neighbor? How much do you care for those around you? How much? Because that's the issue. For the Apostle Paul, he gave up all things for one purpose. For the gospel. I want to ask you a question. Would you be willing to give up all things for the sake of the gospel? For the sake of souls? If God asked you to leave your home today for the gospel, would you do it? He's saying, please get me out of America. I get it. If God were to ask you to sing in front of all of us right now for the gospel... Would you do it? How many say yes? Damon come on up here let me uh, put you (laughs) (laughs) If God asks you to be disliked or hated or mistreated for the gospel Are you willing? See young people Much of us we don't exalt God because we are what? Afraid One of my heroes in the faith is a man by the name of Keith Green. He wrote this song. A song that I had sing to my own heart as I moved into Africa not knowing what in the world I was doing. I remember telling my, my, my uh, father-in-law, look if something happens to me, please go and take care of my family. I had no idea of the hospitals and things have increased significantly since... I've been there but this song I used to love he says well I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel I pledge my wife for the gospel listen is this you can you say it though our love each passing day just seems to grow As I told her when we wed, I'd rather be found dead than to love her more than the one who saved my soul. Will I pledge my son to heaven for the gospel? Though he's kicked and beaten, ridiculed and scorned. I'm a child and I want to be in your family forever. I'm your child and I'm going to follow you no matter the cost I'm gonna count all things lost pledge my son pledge my wife I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel easy to sing hard to look at and honest, and be honest with your own hearts that you're willing to do that thing I've cried God please don't let my kids die in Africa please I wonder where your heart is are you willing to lay everything down for the sake of gospel proclamation? Are you consumed with proclaiming the good news? Are you willing to give up your freedoms? Some of us we say, well I just don't have time to share Christ. Well the problem is, is we have our Facebook, we have some of these freedoms that we have. Sports, which are not bad things, they're good things. But are we willing to give some of those up? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says that we are to lay aside every sin and what? Encumbrance that so easily entangles us. Are you willing to cut away encumbrances? Can you look right now into your own life and say, what are those encumbrances? And can you cut them away? Can you? Are you willing? Are you willing to do all things for the sake of the gospel? And look, I'm not even asking all. How about some? There's a second choice the Apostle Paul made, which is clear from this text. And that is this he chose to run with passion, he chose to run with passion. Look with me in verse 24 He says this Do you not know that those who run in a race all run But only one receives the prize Run in such a way that you may win Before I explain this second thing, I want you as we go along, rather than taking notes of my message, you can do that later, I want you to write things that are practical that you need to do differently. Like I just said, cut away your encumbrances. Write them down and come back later and and let's make practical to-dos for change, right? The second thing is he ran. He says, according to this, I run in such a way to win. That I may win. What a great insight into Paul's life. Paul had a mentality. And he shares this mentality right here. And he uses a very easy illustration. Especially for the church of Corinth. I've been to this place. And there was the Isthmian Games. Which were like the Olympics of that day. I've been there. I've seen the stadium. It's gorgeous. But people would come from all over the world to run in these Olympics. And when they would run, they would, they would come there and train. But they all knew one thing. All of these people are running. But only one is going to win. So these people would train to be that one. One. They would surrender everything to be that one. And he's saying, listen, my mentality is I run in such a way that I may win. And I want you to run in such a way that you might win. Listen, let me just help us understand something. We are not running this Christian life to win. We are so enamored with everything other than the Christian life. But see, Paul is saying, orient your whole life around Christian thinking you can be a godly businessman but be a godly m- businessman to win for kingdom there was a, there's a mentality he had that i'm going to run to win I'm going to have such de- passion, such determination, such singularity of focus that there's only one prize and I'm going to get it. And I'm going to fight and I'm going to, I'm going to win. And, I, and that's the mentality we need. We, the, the word sober-minded comes to mind. Listen, we are such an unsober minded community. And listen, I have been with great leaders. I have been with many different groups. And I'm like, listen, is anybody serious around here? People are going to hell. Do we care? Sometimes you work with different ministries and you just wonder to yourself, wait a second here, is this about kingdom or about me? About you and your popularity? Apostle Paul here is not making a theological statement, but he's telling us what practical mentality we are to have. And the mentality is, is we need to be serious. We need to be serious about our task. We need to be consumed, so focused and so determined. Oh, friends. Where is our mind? Is it gospel anything? Well, we don't want you to put some little... We want you to completely reprogram your mind so that it's gospel everything. That's what we're being called. That's what Paul had did. Everything was gospel. Everything was gospel. Everything was gospel. I think what Paul is calling us to is a mentality. And my dear friends, do you have it? Do I have it? serious-minded, serious living, living in light of the eternal. And you say, Shannon, well, how do I do it? Well, the way you do it is you saturate your mind with Christ. Set your mind on things what? Not on earthly things. Get our minds out of these things of the world. Think kingdom. Focus your energy on eternal realities break your heart for souls what was the last time you led someone to Jesus Christ when was the last time you demonstrated before your children concern for the lost do you even know what the gospel is Can you go to the Bible and explain it to anyone? See, to be successful in our Christian ministry starts with changing our mentality and consuming our mind with the spiritual. Most Christians today are not serious at all. And it's even evident in church services, the entertainment that we want. We all just want to feel good. Listen, I believe in fun. We have a ton of fun. But behind the fun, we have work to do. I have some dear hosts, Jim and Peggy. Where are you? These guys have just been outstanding. I want to move in. They said, Shannon, how do you keep up this pace? Answer is, I don't know. But I don't sit around and dwell on the fact that I'm tired. I got work to do. We've got a task ahead. we got to move. we got to go. It's a mentality that we have. The thing that was most attractive to my wife is she lived with this serious-mindedness. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I would just give you advice. Saturate your mind with serious people. Listen to serious preaching. Read serious books. Get serious. Get serious. Second, the third choice that the Apostle Paul made was to have mastery Over his body. To have mastery over his body. Look with me. At verse 25. It says this. Everyone who competes in the games exercises what? Self control in all things. Verse 27 says I discipline my body and I make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others I myself will not be disqualified the clear principle being set forth here is that listen if we are going to live the way we need to be, if we are going to win the race then it's going to involve something very important and that is this thing called discipline. That is this thing called self-control as I was studying for this message I just thought to myself I wonder what Olympians go in go through here's an Olympian and she explains her experience in trying to be an Olympian during high school years I never socialized like my peers did and studies were not my primary either priority either Everything I did was to get a little closer to achieving my dream. I would rush home from school to begin the journey. From my home to where I was being, having training. If my mom was at work, I would take the train. This would be a round trip of more than three hours. I trained seven days a week, worked at a cafe and studied when I could my body was constantly battered and bruised even with black eyes and bruised arms my relationship with food became dangerous weigh-ins would be twice a day morning and night and, and I would starve my body of food and water in the lead up to a competition when I was at school I used to hide in the library at lunchtime so my friends wouldn't ask why I wasn't eating they thought I was crazy a week out from competition, I would try to lose water weight by sitting in a sauna, clung, wrap around my torso, legs, and arms, as well as layers of clothing. When you have a dream, she says, you will literally do whatever it takes to achieve it. I was always hungry. There was never funding. And, I, and the casual money I, I did get... I use toward my flights, training and competitions. Sound fun? All for what? A perishable wreath. All for something that doesn't matter. One moment of glory which you may not even get and most never get. I'm always amazed At the sacrifices men make for things of little eternal, of no eternal value. Of little earthly value. I'm always amazed with these men who build these massive structures. And you look at and you stand in awe and I think, what visionary had the guts to go after this one? Surrendering his whole life to achieve this. And probably never even enjoying the fruit of it. But you see, people around the world are doing so many different things. This girl didn't listen to the lusts of her own body. Didn't respond to the longings. Was to- learned to totally get control of her body so that she would simply achieve that. That's what Paul did. Again, verse 27, I discipline my body and make it my what? slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Literally he's saying that I beat my body. I buffet it. I hit it under the eye. That's the idea. As I'm beating on my own body and make it my slave. Because I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want my ministry to be affected. And and what does he say? So that I may win souls. So that I may win souls. It's all for the gospel. Let me tell you, this verse, it implies this. It implies pain. It implies suffering. It implies hurting oneself. Discomfort. Many of things of which many of us don't want to push ourselves in because of the fact that we just want to be, live simple lives. Our goal is not gospel. Our goal is something else. We're living just like the world after the lusts and pleasures of our own flesh and not after the, 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 the priorities of Christ. Let's just be honest. But here he's saying that I literally take pain upon myself. (coughs) This word self-control, my wife says to my kids, it's doing what you don't want to do. And not doing what you want to do. Good. This means we do things despite pain or discomfort that we might win others to Christ amazed at how little we as a Christian community hurt or sacrifice for kingdom purposes. As my brother Eric said we are willing to give the pennies of the extra of the extra but very few are willing to hurt. Very few are willing to sacrifice and we have to ask ourselves do we really believe this to be true? Because the world will know it's true when we actually sacrifice for it. We're willing to give excuses, but the second it costs us something, we're willing to give excess, but the second it costs us something, forget it. Let me ask you a question, and I ask myself this question all the time, is do I have control over my body? You see, first you have to have the mentality that I'm going to win souls, that I'm going to be about gospel, I'm going to be about Christ. And let me tell you, you say, that you be about Christ and you'll be about gospel. Let your focus be Christ and souls and you'll be about gospel. Because you'll look at these people who are wound up in their sin and you will say, wait, someone's got to break them free. Someone's got to help them. If you would open your eyes, just like Damon said, that's when you will see that there's great ministry ahead of you. But you got to open your eyes. you got to get your world off of yourself and get it on others around you. How can you not have a home filled with many in your home, loving them and caring for them? Because there's many hurting around you. Wake up. See it. And then as you see it, you're going to be drawn in. And as you're drawn in, you're going to now have to discipline your life so that you can accomplish much. And people who said, "Shannon, how do you balance it all? You balance it all by planning much and disciplining yourself to go after it. Paul was so serious about his mission that he learned to control his own body, and, and listen, I've not arrived in this at all. <laughs> but I want to arrive. I want to beat my body. I've told people, man, you get on that plane and you see every person's moral choice in front of you. And I hate the fact that I care to see people's moral choices. Oh, to beat my body and make it a slave that I'm not get caught in those things. Things that we discipline ourselves toward must be to spend time with God, to love Christ. Have you set time aside to discipline yourself to daily sit down at the feet of Christ? Have you sat down to discipline yourself to fulfill a schedule that is important? There's a fourth choice that the Apostle Paul made, and that was this. It was the choice to carry out everything with purpose. To carry out everything with purpose. Look with me in verse 26. I like this verse. Kids, you'll like this one too. He says this in verse 26. Therefore I run in such a way as not without what? Come on, come with me. I run in such a way as not without, and I box in such a, a way as not what? Let me see. who You big man, come here. We're going to box. Can we box? Okay? We're going to box. Okay, you ready? Put your dukes up. That's how you fight? <laughs> Did your dad teach you that one? Okay, we're going to box. Okay, you ready? Ha! Come on. Come on. I'll catch, you. I'll catch you. Hey! Come on. Come on. Ha! Who? You know, is that like lame boxing or what? How about we're going to race. You ready? Okay. We're going to, the first one down there gets $10 from Dan. Alright? <laughs> Alright. Ready? Set. Go! Is that lame running? I want the $10. All right, you sit down. <laughs> you see, the point is, when someone box, they don't just box hitting the air. They, what they do is they look at the guy in the nose and they go for the nose. Right? You're lucky I was kind to you. When I race, I look right at the goal in which I'm going to set. And every stride is perfectly planned and directed intentionally toward the goal. And we can look at such a boxer and think he's ridiculous. Listen, Paul is not talking about a boxer. He's talking about how we live. And listen, I think that one of the biggest problem we have is we live with no purpose. You know, when it comes to business, and I'm so thankful for my business days. In my business days, you schedule things. Even as a ministry, what we do is we strategize for how we're going to bring impact. And we do a strategic plan. That strategic plan is 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 designed every year to think through how what do we need to do this year to reach this goal. Why do we do that in business and we don't do it with our own lives? The apostle, I mean, just like we'd say that this is someone that's that's lost his mind, someone that's crazy. Well, listen, that's how we're living. That's how we're living. Well, what do we do tonight? Well, I don't know, you know. Listen, I'm going to go after you husbands. It's your job to create direction. Aren't you the leader? What are you doing as a family for kingdom purposes? We need, to, we need to get down and we need to start thinking through what is the direction of our families? What is the direction of our life? Are we just going to meander through our jobs, me- meander through our, our raising of children, get old, and, and then we'll think about doing something? Is that how it works? Or are we to live every day with what? Purpose. Every day with direction. You say, Shannon, how do we do that? Well, let me tell you. One secret I found, and this is worth a million dollars to all of you. What you do with your time and what you do with your money is what you do with your life. Let me say that again. What you do with your time and what you do with your money is what you do with your... Calvary Bible, I want you to kick can for kingdom. So what we need to do is we need to go home we need to look at our time we need to look at our because that will direct your life some of you, you have a 9 to 5 awesome what happens from 5 to 10 you plan that out for kingdom purposes in the most strategic way you possibly can one night do evangelism one night, kiss your wife that's important, right? We're not abandoning all, proper, all uh, responsibility. And by the way, that is important. Because we're not just talking about crazy living. We're talking about we have a responsibility to fulfill the responsibilities of our children, of our, of our wife. But not, so you schedule those things. Schedules are beautiful because they can help you direct your, intentionally direct your priorities. So, schedule out what you're going to do. Listen, have two or three nights where you're discipling people, and then you've got to find someone to disciple. What do you do with your money? Make a budget that is strategic in how you spend it. As a church, usually a church will say, okay, 10% to missions, or, or you know, a godly church would say, like, 50% to missions. But, <clears throat> but there's a strategy, there's a purpose, right? Are you getting The the Apostle Paul. Let me tell you. The Apostle Paul made the impact he made. Because he lived with purpose and direction. And everything was that way. Oh, you read the book of Acts. Paul says, I need to get to Rome. He's trying to get to Rome. He's being hindered. He's being held back. And he says, ah. I know how I'm going to get there. If I can't go this way, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. And when I get to Jerusalem, they're going to, they're going to hold me up in prison. I'm going to show my Roman card. I'm going to go to jail. And then I'm going to be put, sent out to Rome. And listen, because he had a purpose, because he had a plan. That's why he said in Romans, I have planned to come to you. You say, does that just intentionally, unintentionally put there? No, it's intentionally. Paul had a plan. elders here what is the plan for kingdom impact as a church don't stop making it. and I love this church so much because they want to make a plan And this missions conference is a great plan but now we gotta say now where do we go we need to observe what he's commanded not just talk about it but men get a hold of your budget and plan listen if you can give 30% away. Give, you know, what I did when I was in the toy business, I said, okay, listen, I'm going to give 20% here, I'm going to give 10%, you know, maybe we are going overseas, 10%, and you say, okay, locally, I'm going to just put money in an envelope, and I'm going to evaluate how I can bless people around me, because I want to live kingdom. Ah, 20%, that's not enough, let's go up higher. Some of you guys, you need those big houses, because you need to facilitate ministry. Don't think selling all you have is the answer. Listen, the biggest investment... Go buy the biggest house in your neighborhood. If you can. Because it goes up in value. When it's high, you sell. Baby. I'm not asking... Be wise. Be wise. But live with what? Purpose. Strategize. Use that mind to strategize your time. Time your mornings. Sitting with Jesus. Make sure you get exercise because some of you are eating too many donuts. And I kept eating and eating. So last night at 10 o'clock, I'm like, I'm jogging. I had to go for a little jog. Because exercise is important. I want to run for kingdom purposes so I better stay in shape. You see, we're not trying to be lame. We're trying to discipline our bodies. And disciplining our bodies involves many different things. But listen, get a hold of your time, get a hold of your money, and we'll start seeing things happen around here. This church needs to bust down its doors with people. Because we are just radical about getting in the lives of people. What will happen if every single one of you people right here starts discipling one person? You know what happens? Come on. You double the size of the room. Come on, it's not that hard. That's a good problem, not a bad one. And that's tangible. But we need to carry out everything with purpose as the Apostle Paul did. Some of you guys say, Shannon, well, you know, uh, evangelism. Well, listen, just start by loving. And start loving the people around you. Discipline yourself with purpose to love everyone around you and let's see what happens. Let me give you the last, the last choice the Apostle Paul made. And that was this. The last choice the Apostle Paul made was to live for a future kingdom. Or live for an imperishable reward. It says here in the second half of verse 25. They do this. They exercise their self-control. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable I've looked at my life many times one thing I live conscious of is the fact that my life is short I can't believe my kids are already like looking at men and stuff like that I'm way too young for that like I was telling these guys over here you're getting old like, your, kid, your kid's producing like little kids. My goodness. And Dan, we won't, talk, we won't talk about that. Life is short. Best things I've done in my life are the things I've done with, for Jesus. The only things that matter. You see, you never regret living for Christ. You only regret... Not living for Him, right? Oh, that we might live for heaven. See, some people might look at this and say, man, how do we live with such purpose and such determination and focus? How do we live through pain and give up all of our wants and lusts for gospel purposes? The answer to that question is in this last choice. We're able to do all this because we live for an imperishable reward to come. Friends, I have said many times that I am not in Uganda because I want to be. And I know Damon and Jen aren't there because they want to be. They would much rather be right here with this family who they absolutely adore and I want you to know they love you guys so much and it's a pain for all of you it's all for kingdom and the king and listen we'll have eternity to like hug each other and I'm gonna be right there just to irritate you guys But it's heaven we're living for The Apostle Paul many times speaks of heaven and this crown to be received 2 Timothy 4.8, he says, in the future, there is laid up for us a crown of righteousness. 1 Peter 5.4, he says, there's an unfading crown of glory. Oh, that was Peter. (laughs) James says, there's a crown of life. Jesus said that he fixed his eyes on the joy set before him, and therefore he was able to endure the cross My dear friends, do we really believe in heaven? If we do, then let me tell you, there is reward for us. You will be in some way, and it's all a mystery, you will be rewarded for your service. Read 1 Corinthians 3. There is some way, somehow... What we do has eternal benefit. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount he says your reward in heaven is full. Remember that to the Pharisees? We all talk about retirement. There's a retirement here that comes and gone. Gone. But really, your retirement is leaving everything to your children. And there's a retirement in heaven. Imagine with me, being an Olympic athlete. Having spent many of your years of your life living for the one goal of running across that finish line and winning the race. Imagine standing, and we can imagine it right now because of the Olympics, right? Imagine you see, and we're all moved to tears as you see that person stand on that podium. And all of a sudden, they receive the reward. The song, and the American song comes up, and they weep, and we weep, and we're all like, ah! Imagine that. Pretty awesome. Well, imagine... Standing before your creator and hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servants. And him coming up to you and placing the crown of glory on your head, that crown of glory of which you ran this race to obtain. That crown of glory of which we ran all of our days, reminding each other, live for the kingdom, live for the kingdom, live for the kingdom. Imagine standing before God on that day and you run into His arms and He he rewards you. Imagine on that crown having things to give to God as worship. Imagine. Because listen that's the only day that matters my brothers and sisters we need to look at our lives and we need to ask ourselves are we willing to have the same commitment the Apostle Paul had are we willing to do all things for the sake of the gospel are we willing to run this race with passion are we ready, willing to beat up our flesh and make it a slave? Are we willing to do everything with purpose? Are we willing to live for the unfading crown of glory? For, for Christians, what we live for is what we'll receive in the end. If you live for Christ, you know what you get in the end? Christ, you live for self I don't know may we run for gospel proclamation may we live for the future crown you know it's interesting when I look at Christianity and what the Bible has to say a Christian is we don't love the world or what? the things of the world those who love the things of the world what does it say? the love of the Father is not in him we set our things, on our mind on things above not on earthly things I just think that there might be one day a rude awakening have you been born again? oh May we surrender for the king. May we live, dear church, for the king. May we be missionaries here. I want to challenge you, as I leave, we're going to get quests for you. What I'm going to do is I'll send the PDF, and that can be circulated anywhere, but you guys can print books and these. I want to get 30 of you to commit to take one person through. You say, Shannon, why do you do that? One, through, one person through question, why do you do that? Because I think once you start discipling, you'll love discipling. But we just got to get you to do it. Look at your schedules. Look at your life. Look at your heart. And let's live as missionaries. Amen? Let me pray. father I thank you for your loving grace I thank you for the men who've gone before us the great Apostle Paul I thank you for men even like Dan whose life is consumed with Jesus father but we all can discipline ourselves more we can all live with more purpose we can all cut more fat we can get rid of more hindrances and so I pray that you would your spirit would work in the heart of these men that they would have a date away with their wife, maybe a weekend, maybe a week, <laughs> where they sit around with their wife and they plan how they can live with more purpose in their finances, in their time, so that they can express their love to you in that way. That they, their love for you would, would be the motivating factor to proclaim you everywhere. That their own experience of their own life in, f- in the faith would drive them to tell others about you. For the, na- for, your, for the precious name of your Savior, we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you. And everybody who's involved, we praise the Lord for you. You guys are incredible. May the Lord bless you.